it's inspiration for you. We're enlarging worlds with growth stories. Listen your way. Tune in for fresh stories brought to you by Unit for Hosts. Join us for this week's inspiration for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this third episode of One Words Meet, the new subseries of the Inspiration for You podcast that is brought to you by Unit 4. So, my name is Maddie Gefeli. I'm happy to be uh, hosting this subseries uh, where we talk about uh, the people of Unit 4, about their cultures, experiences, and the things that make them unique. So, make sure you uh, subscribe and, and make sure you go and listen to the uh, previous episodes. My guest today is uh, a Dane living in Singapore, where he moved right before the pandemic starts. He describes himself as uh, lively. Uh, he is passionate about powerlifting and cars. He loves hiking. His favorite dish is uh, steak tatar, and uh, he enjoys a fresh cola zero. His biggest fear is to be trapped or stuck, uh, and his big next dream is uh, a pilgrimage in Japan. Finally, when asking him about his secret hobby or guilty pleasure, he simply mentioned singing. I'm very, very happy uh, to welcome today from Singapore, Frederik Skigbjerg. I hope I said it right. That's all right, Mehdi. Thank you for having me. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. And how are you? Good, good. Again, yeah, very happy to have you on the show. And, and and let's jump right into it. How did you end up in Singapore? So it's a bit of a story. I am from Denmark. I've lived in Denmark my entire life until a year ago, actually quite precisely a year ago. By, yeah, when was that? Sort of uh, December, November, October 2019. I I was uh, working for Unit 4 in Copenhagen. I was uh, lead for a not-for-profit. I uh, I needed to do something else in my life. I uh, recently came out of a long relationship and I was very sick of Copenhagen and needed a change. So I told my boss at that time that I needed a change and we looked around and I spoke both to our team in North America and uh, then out of the blue, our regional president for um, Singapore called me and said that they had an open position as in solution consulting. And that was quite interesting. So we continued talking and uh, sort of we had really good chemistry and I was like, let's do it. Did you ever think that you will end up in Singapore? Was no. this one of the countries that you thought <laughs> I want to work on one day? It was not. I thought if I was going outside of uh, Denmark, I thought mm -hmm. I would in North America. <laughs> and you arrived right before the pandemic. Yes, so the pandemic was sort of starting in, so we finally agreed in late January that I was supposed to go to Singapore and we agreed that I would come sort of sometime in the beginning of April. Mm -hmm. But as March was progressing, the pandemic started to be a thing also in Denmark and in the rest of Europe. So I started to get a little bit concerned if I could get approval to travel. At that point, the pandemic seemed to be very under control here in Singapore. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and they're closing down from countries one by one. And I was, I was like, I need to go. So I called up HR down here in Singapore and said, sort of, we need to move up my date. I'll come in three days. So on March 14th, I booked my flight tickets and I left Copenhagen on March 17th. Mm -hmm. 
that's amazing. That's quite proactive because otherwise you, you would maybe never have made it to Singapore. I, I probably would have, but it would have been much more difficult, you know, with quarantine and testing and all these things. So I actually arrived fairly normal. And that I think that's a much better experience when moving to a new country. Definitely. And how was that in the beginning? Did you manage to actually get a bit of a feel of the city and start meeting people or did you directly go into lockdown mode? So I was really, really lucky. I think many of us know if it has been a stressful period, I would say sort of moving countries is one of the stressful things. But mm-hmm. if I go through a period like that, I have a tendency of getting sick. So three days after I arrived, I got a really bad throat infection. And of course, that being pandemic time, I was absolutely sure I had COVID, but I was tested and it was just a normal throat infection. So I actually didn't go to office or anything before we went into uh, to a lockdown. So you have never been to the office actually there? No. The first time I was in the Singapore office was in September. That's crazy. And were you able in the beginning to connect with your colleagues? I think I met our sales manager once before the lockdown. So mm-hmm. during the lockdown here in Singapore, we were not even allowed to meet people we know outside or anything. It was totally prohibited to meet other people. And then it, did it start opening up? Yes, it was around August it started opening up. The office took a while before that opened. There were quite mm-hmm. a lot of safe distance measures that had to be set up. And it, it took a little while before the office in Singapore opened. But in August, I did manage to meet with a few colleagues and, and also our regional president invited me to her home. That was really lovely. Nice. And from the bit that you could see, <laughs> let's say, in, in Singapore, what would you say are the main differences between the, the culture in Singapore and the culture in Denmark? Singapore is a quite interesting place. You know, it has been under different colonizations and it's a city state and Mm -hmm. it's right on equator. So tropical climate and from a cultural perspective, you know, it's it's affected by many different Asian uh, cultures like Chinese culture and Malay culture and Indonesian culture, but also Indian culture and Middle Eastern culture. So it's much more a melting pot than what I'm used to from back home. Denmark is a fairly sort of homogeneous uh, population where everyone looks the same and uh, sounds the same and speaks the same language and uh, have same opportunities and these kind of things. So of course there's there's that many differences and and also you know the way we eat and the way we live and time of days you eat and live and stuff like that you know it tells a lot about the people when they eat and when they sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. And what are the similarities? I think this, this is always my favorite question. What are the similarities between the, the two the two cultures? Yeah, two so similar sizes, you know, around six million people in, in both countries. Very safe countries to be in. I don't think I have had one sort of one episode in Singapore where I have been sort of afraid of my own safety or where also during this pandemic, I felt extremely safe here. It has been very, very well controlled and sort of good amount of transparency from the government side and uh, has always been fairly clear what to do and what not to do. I would uh, probably feel the same in Denmark and sort of, you know, small countries, uh, you need to protect yourself a little bit more, but not necessarily sort of with 
weapons, but more sort of your culture and, and your values. And I see, I see that is quite similar as well here. And you mentioned that actually Singapore is a melting pot, but did you actually, or were you actually able to get an experience of what true Singaporean culture is? You know, it, it takes a while also because I'm an expat here and quickly you sort of, you know, you end up with like-minded people. But I've had some good experiences here with the, you know, for example, Chinese New Year this year. So one of my colleagues here, he he made sure that I got an Ang Bao, which is a small envelope with a little bit of money in, which when you're married, you give that to your single friends and, and relatives and, and uh, colleagues, these kind of things. And then... I've been fairly lucky. So one of my neighbors I'm really good friends with has lived here for 10 years and that, you know, I learned a lot from that and, and around how, how you do stuff here. I'm also quite aware that doing this pandemic life here has been very different. Singapore is very much about going out, going to food markets and these kind of things. And that has been a little bit broken due to COVID. It's uh, fairly restricted and social distancing and these kind of things. And it is so what I hear from many people, and I do feel it sometimes, is that, you know, social space or sort of private space is not something you have here. But uh, that's been, it has been here uh, since COVID because people, they, you know, they are keeping distance. It's really interesting. Also, it's, it's interesting to see that in, in so many ways, the uh, pandemic is affecting the, the, the different sides of different cultures. Definitely. And I definitely think it has affected the culture here more than a country like Denmark or Scandinavia, where I'm from, because people spend a lot more time at home um, where I'm from than they do here. Mm -hmm. People are no, almost never home here. Yeah, exactly. And talking about Singapore, I also wanted to ask you, what would be your advice for people uh, of Unitor or people in general who would like to move to Singapore? Hmm. That's a good question. I think I've moved here in unprecedented times, sort of, you know, it's possible to move here during a pandemic. Would I recommend it? Not necessarily. My advice would be to spend the time you need to sort of figure out what you like to do. There are many possibilities here of, of how to live and, and where to live. And it's actually, you know, it's actually quite different depending on where you go. That's something that I've learned. Also moving to here, things are very different sort of where I come from, sort of something like rental markets are regulated. It's very sort of very hot plate here. You need to negotiate everything. And it has been quite fun sort of uh, learning all these things on your own. Moving here, uh, spend, a, spend a lot of time with your colleagues that knows how things work here and uh, ask sort of ask many people how they do stuff because many things people here do very differently. People live very, very different lifestyles here and it's possible to do that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, moving on to another aspect of who you are. And you mentioned in the beginning that you came out of a relationship and from that you needed change. How did that make you feel to go out of, of, of such a, a relationship? And then mainly, what did that change in you as a person? I think sort of, you know, Copenhagen, I've, I've really enjoyed living there. I think it's one of the best cities in the world to live in. It's very livable and it's the culture there is so rich, but the city is not bigger than it takes more than 20 minutes to ride across on your bicycle. I absolutely adore that. And people are friendly and service is good and food is amazing. Sort of, It's a very and convenient location as well. But for me, everything just got 
little bit boring and uh, I needed to go back to some things that I wanted to do. I always wanted to try to live abroad. Being in a relationship, that was not really possible because my partner, she was a student at the point. And so, you know, I, I needed to go back to something that was something I wanted. And I think that's very normal when you come out of a relationship, then you need to focus on what you want to do. Then it's not about uh, what other people want to do. And uh, I'm just extremely happy that I work for I work for a company that would help me accommodate for that and that I could talk about that. So that's I think that was a massive kudos to my manager at the time. And, and you mentioned actually that this make made you feel different or made you feel more brave. How, how does that actually translate in, in reality for you? I think it made me think less about, you know, sort of the moving part and sort of going to the other side of the world. I did have an opportunity. So the winter before moving here, so in December and January, I was in Thailand. So I did have the chance to fly over here and spend a couple of days in Singapore. And, you know, then I had a few more weeks in Thailand before I had to go back to sales kickoff. Mm-hmm. So in Thailand, I, I sort of checked out of everything a few days. And I, I, I remember sort of the point where, where I sort of, made up my mind that I wanted to go. I just thought, what's the worst that can happen? And I was like, sort of nothing. I can just, you know, I can go back if I want to, or I can do something else if I want to. So it was not really difficult sort of making that decision when I got the time to sit down and reflect upon it. Because, there were, you know, I was not afraid of anything at that point, still isn't. <laughs> Definitely. And it is indeed a very, always a very good question to ask yourself, uh, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. I think it solves a lot of problems to ask yourself <laughs> such a question. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, coming back to your background, you have studied something that doesn't uh, apply to, to what you're doing today. So t- tell me a bit about your background, what you studied and, and how you shifted from there to, to what you're doing today and the linking moments that built up to working yeah. today in software and, and solution consulting. Yeah, I think you're going to see sort of a common denominator here about sort of coincidence. I I have a degree in value chain management, which is logistics, supply chain and process consultation. I had a very short internship around where I worked with the sort of transport optimization and Lean and Six Sigma and Kanban and all these things in a production company, actually a Dutch company. And when I was done with that, I... Uh, I stumbled across a uh, position as a student worker for IBM and I applied for that and and it seems sort of a little bit like logistics and supply chain that was when you know, or when IBM still sold uh, a lot of hardware but I got this job as a as sell, in sales operations as a student worker doing a lot of sort of sales operation stuff and I was actually not offered the job in the beginning because I only had a year back in my studies they wanted someone with with more years left in university. But uh, luckily, luckily for me, sort of the other person they offered the job to didn't take it, so they called me back. And uh, I promised them that I would uh, take a master, sort of a master more, so they could have me for three years in total. But they told me sort of, you're ready, you need to go out. And then uh, when I was done with my university, I've actually applied for a sales job in, in IBM in Dublin. But one day at the coffee machine in, in the IBM office, I met someone from the consultancy business and we just chatted a little bit around the coffee and it was a really weird conversation. I, 
I had quite a big surgery and I was still wearing sort of bandages and I must have looked like a zombie or something from a horror movie. But he invited me to Copenhagen to interview for their talent program, so their graduate program. And I got offered that as well. And then I had to figure out sort of what I wanted to do. do did I want to be a consultant or did I want to go into a sales role? I reflected a little bit upon that and sort of, I at that point, I felt like I, I, I wanted to go the consulting way because I like to work with things that I understand. I like to work with things where I understand what, what's behind. And so I, I took on this consultant role and I thought at that time, and I've, I still think that it's it would be where I would learn the most and have sort of the most development. I went through this uh, two-year program and was certified with the Microsoft skill set and uh, worked on a few implementation projects. And then again, sort of by coincidence, I ran into a Dutch program manager and uh, he was starting to build up a, a new service line. So I got into sort of a strategic internal program, sort of developing that program internally in as, as a service line because we didn't have one, which was quite exciting as well. Very sort of very random. And uh, after that, I had a, a year with a small Microsoft partner. But what I figured out after coming from, you know, what was at the time one of the biggest organizations in the world to a 60 people organization was that I was bored really quickly. I very quickly figured out who everyone was. And uh, then Unit 4 started to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And at first I was a bit sort of meh. But over time, as the organization I was in changed, so the reason why I chose that job, and that's the reason why I choose all my jobs, is because of the people I work with. So the people I like to work with at the, that small, small Microsoft partner, they started to leave. And I was like, okay, then I'll uh, bite on the unit for a uh, piece. And uh, that was how I made it into solution consulting. That's five years ago this year. That's a great story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your background. And it is indeed interesting. A lot of your career moves is based on people. Yes. Why is that so important to you? I think I'm a very collaborative person and I think sort of collaboration and the things we create as a group is more important for me than, you know, the whatever money I can make or whatever uh, things I achieve. For me, sort of achieving something in, on my own is fine, but if you achieve something as a team, I actually think that's a lot more fun. And I don't know, I always need someone around me who inspires me. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the smartest person around if I can avoid it. And it is impressive for me, or it is, I find very interesting that how bumping in these people change your life and change your career course. Yeah. Um, sort of, it happens to me in many things in my life. Also, I've traveled a lot alone, both business and sort of vacations, but I I just sit down somewhere and then it just happens. I don't know. I'm not sort of uh, out hunting for people. I just uh, sit somewhere with my coffee or my, if it's later, a gin and tonic, and then, you know, people come around. Exactly. So, so this is what we call serendipity. And and I wanted to ask you in that sense, do, do you believe in a certain faith? Do you believe that things are meant to be? Or do you just consider yourself a lucky person? I do consider myself a lucky person. I also think, you know, we there is something about the things you think about yourself, the things you tell yourself. That's also what you project. And that attracts certain people or certain things in your life. But I, if there's a big faith or it's a sort of something written, I don't, I don't believe so. But I 
I think one of the things that I have going for me is that I'm fairly open-minded and, you know, whatever I come across, I'll at least consider it. And then, then there are different things you can do in your life. Now we talked a bit about, yeah, how bumping into someone changed your life. Do you have an idea of what or who is the next person you would like to, to bump into? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But uh, I think now I'm in a fairly new place still, so I bump into people all the time and sort of I bump into new people all the time. And Singapore is a place where, where a lot of people come and go all the time, so there will always be new people here. I actually think I like that about a place. So if everything is very fluent all the time and and yeah, I've already had met new friends coming in or new colleagues coming in and, and also them leaving again. And I've been here a year and where, you know, four months of it was in lockdown where I didn't know anyone. And and how, how does that affect your passion for your work? Is, is it um, attached to, to a specific place? Is it attached to a certain environment or it doesn't matter? I think for me, it's more about having good connections with the people I work closely with. I have for many years not been sort of really attached to a place. I think I can work from anywhere. I think for me, it's, it's, it's a lot about how it feels. And, you know, feelings doesn't come for me. Feelings doesn't come from places or things It comes from other people. I think it's one of the sentences that, that I will keep from this whole conversation, but also from from our preparation when you told me that you really uh, do not care about what you do as much as you care about the people around you and I, and I think it says a lot about who you are and your values as a person. Mm. Coming uh, slightly to an end, I have just a few questions left. We talked about how many people changed your life, but then I wanted to ask you, do you think that you yourself, you've changed people's life too? I think so, because I think, you know, in order for me to change from someone bumping into my life, I, I would assume they changed too. I don't think that's a one-way street. And also in both business and personal relationships, I share a lot of myself. And I think, I think many times we we connect in a way where we can where we can help each other grow and and learn from each other. So I I would hope so. That's one of the things I like working with people. It is that you also change others. Definitely. About if you look back on your career, so about your whole career, if there is one. Think one main valuable thing that you learned in your career, what would that be? It would be always take that extra cup of coffee to meet someone you don't know in that office. <laughs> that's, 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 that's amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> that would be it. Because I don't know, it has taken me so many places that I never thought I would go. Yeah, absolutely. Take that time. And I think that's also, you know, in these virtual days, Take that time to uh, to sit down and talk about something that's not work that's not transactional. Uh, I think that's a bit of a trap during these uh, virtual times that everything becomes very transactional. Spend some time to get to know people, and then everything is uh, a little bit easier. And it might take you somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. My last question is: How do, how does the future look like for you? What would you like to do in 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 the future, what are your next steps? That's a good question. So I have really enjoyed, so I stepped into a role here where I'm also a people manager. I really enjoy working with other people, sort of watching my team thrive, watching my team grow. I uh, I like sort of that type of relationship where we uh, give each other feedback and we work together and sort of 
focus on personal and professional development. I hope to be able to do more of that. Then, as I said, at some point when the world reopens, I want to do my pilgrimage in Japan, something I wanted to do for my entire life. So uh, there might be a surprise for, for my managers that I want some time off at some point, but let's cross that bridge when we get there. And, and then I, I think I want to I wanna spend more time sort of doing more speaking. I've done quite a few webinars and podcasts with partners and, and uh, analysts lately. And that's something I really enjoy and that I definitely want to do more of. And, and, and what about your learning path? Is there something you'd like to, to, to study or, or a course you'd like to take? Yeah, there is a few things. So right now I'm brushing off my design thinking skills, actually looking at ERPX and, and the way we can drive digital transformation. I want to I wanna get back into my sort of more process, process consultancy skills because I see that, that that's something we're going to use a lot. And the dream is whenever I settle down somewhere for, for long enough, I want to take a master in organizational psychology. I have looked at one and that's something that I want to do at some point. And why is that? It always interested me, sort of. I, and and what I read on on my free time is not. I don't read the uh, sort of fiction. I read really odd, sort of uh, what you would call that uh, non-fiction psychology theory books. Right now, mm -hmm. I'm uh, Yalom about existential psychology, and <laughs> it's a bit of a weird hobby I also have. And I thought at some point I, I might want to be a therapist or something like that. But actually, I think I would thrive more in an organizational sort of uh, paradigm. And I think it could be really interesting for me to sort of cater for that. For that. Nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I think that was my last question. I don't know if you would like to add anything as a, as a closing point. No, I just want to say thank you so much for your open and sort of very caring questions. I really enjoyed this this talk and uh, this way of, of going through a life. <laughs> well, the, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for, for being open and for sharing all these different stories and different aspects of your life with us. It, it was definitely a pleasure to discover what makes you unique, Frederick. So thank you so much again. And thank you so much for everyone who is listening to this series. We will see you very soon with another guest and another uh, unique life. Thank you so much.